In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. the outdoor drive podcast this is your boy east coast trev and this is steve outdoor steve <laughs> outdoor drive steve that's just too much to throw in in an intro for yeah, me <laughs> i guess so so you'd be like you you're like od steve <laughs> yeah odg ods <laughs> ods so uh oh man i'm glad that we were able to do this podcast i know yesterday was kind of one of those things especially for me i mean with everything going on um i have no fucking power i have no internet i have no nothing i'm actually um i'll paint the picture i'm actually sitting down at the local boat launch um sitting on my cell phone in my car to podcast tonight um i know we're a day late and a dollar short but we definitely we needed to get this podcast in so that's what we did to make it and uh compromise to make it happen yeah well i don't think our guest today is going to care no <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to give a shit. Well, technically, I guess you would be the guest because you're calling in. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, we'll go with that. We're, we're, this is going right. to be a Trev episode. <laughs> is that <laughs> what it is? Hurricane Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricane Trev. Yeah, that thing swiped through, man, and, and beat us up something fierce. Because I was asking you, I was like, so how was it down there for you? And you're like, oh, it's not even that bad. And I was like, oh, I said it should hit us pretty soon. It doesn't look like it's going to be that bad. Well, come to find out with it, it's the worst power outages that we've had in 10 years here in Connecticut. 
Yeah, you guys kind of took it straight to the eye, though. Oh, my God, it's we crazy. Were, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, we were so far up the coast, or inland from the coast, I should say, that honestly, it was a beautiful, probably 14-hour light rainstorm, and we needed it. No wind, no heavy pressure, no runoff, no flooding, just that perfect rainstorm. And it's nuts. No, you're good. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's nuts because, like, we we honestly, we didn't get that much rain. We literally had, like, no rain. So you guys just got the wind damage. Yeah, the wind was bad. I mean, it was, like, 60 to 80 mile an hour winds here. Um, I don't know actual, like, defined windage here, but um, it was not good. Not good at all. Surprised you guys didn't try to go out and go fishing in it. Um, no, no, uh, they canceled, they canceled a lot of our trips here. Um, but for the most part, we, I, uh, we were supposed to fish tomorrow, shark fishing, uh, but we had a big cancellation. So we're actually not shark fishing, which is fine. Give us more time to do some other stuff, but, um, the seas have kind of laid down here and fishing's kind of going back to normal. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the, uh, boats made it for the most part minor damages i hear yeah i mean there was minimal damage especially in the marinos i had taken a ride down there uh the workboat cess uh sport fishing well actually uh we had lost a stern line uh, the, the marina had replaced it but we actually fixed it and we we're back to normal uh there was a 20 to 21 foot trophy uh in the marina that uh sunk and capsized uh right in the marina bay so yeah, I that saw was that. not good at all. That, that was wild. You sent it to me. It was like, oh, dude, no kidding. That sucks. Yeah, and that seems to happen sometimes. Like if the lines are too tight and it gets water in it or, um, you know, the pumps can't keep up if it takes it over the back. Um, those things happen. I mean, that's that's part of it. That's what you have insurance for. It sucks. I mean, it's one of those things like it's almost one of those things that like it's a. some people will be happy about it because they're like, oh, screw it whatever i lose the boat insurance but on the other case it's like i don't know my pride and joy is underwater now i gotta figure it out you know um i'd be more concerned about my fishing gear in the boat than the boat i think i would be thankful if my boat sank to be honest with you <laughs> i would take it i'd take the money and buy a new boat i think i'd be all right with it so yeah but luckily it's right there in the marina so the recovery of it shouldn't be too bad no, no, they have to, when that happens, I mean, a lot of times you get fined and stuff, um, and you have to air airbag it to get it up and, and right. suck it out, all the water out. So it, it, you do get fined. Actually, funny story, last week, was it last week or the week before, we had really bad fog, and um, there was actually a boat that, um, that was a charter boat, a big Cabo party boat uh charter boat and in the fog and he had his radar on 200 200 uh or was it two miles he had it on two miles i'm sorry he had it on two miles which you can't see shit when it's at two miles uh everything looks so small on the radar right and he actually had hit a commercial uh vessel um <laughs> and took out the front of it um and sunk it well they were a lobster boat commercial lobster boat well they were actually going to find the guy in the lobster boat $65,000 if he didn't airbag and get the the a vessel out of the water. Wow. Um, 
which is kind of crazy because a lot of times that goes on the insurance of, you know, the person that's, you know, that hit them or whatever, but they have to actually front the money um, to have it pulled out uh, just yeah. because of, you know, the gas and everything yeah, else. Environmental the, standards. Which, yeah. Which is all, I mean, it's kind of crazy though, you know? I, I get it, but you know, there's a big difference between a ship going down and recovering it and somebody blowing up an oil well. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. I know exactly. And I mean, like these guys were in the, the, you know, it was pea soup fog. And literally if the guys weren't paying attention to the radar on the commercial vessel, they probably would be dead now. Um, they were paying attention and they saw him coming across. He was full tilt cruise control two miles out and on his radar and literally took out the front of the commercial vessel. If those guys weren't paying attention on the commercial vessel, they probably, like I said, would probably be dead. Um, they actually abandoned ship, jumped off, um, and they lived unscratched. Um, and they literally, they hit it right in the wheelhouse. Holy so, crap. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I mean, like, people, the fog is one of those things that, like, really scares the shit out of me being on the water. Like, I literally will go out late and not, and 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 just wait for the fog to lift. Um, that's one of my biggest things, especially I don't have radar on the boat, on my boat. So, like, I get really worried about fog. Because fog's dangerous, and a lot of people don't pay attention in fog. Right. Um, but it's fucking nuts. <laughs> you guys and your damn but, crazy ass fishing and stories, and uh, I don't know. People just the don't get one it. Of those, no, and the ocean's one of those things that, like, you really need to. It can change in a matter of a second. Mother Nature is one of the scariest things. I mean, it's just so powerful um, when it comes to tides and winds and, and what she actually can do. I mean, we were talking about it the other night um, when we went down to the marina was, you know, there's nothing that stops water. So, like, the power of the wave in the water, like, there's nothing that stops it. It's literally uncontrollable. No, it's the most destructive element in the world. Yeah, it's nuts, dude. And people just take that shit for granted. I mean, it's we lose people every single year to to different things in the ocean, different fishermen and stuff just to that, you know, or duck hunters. We lost some duck hunters a couple of years ago, rest their souls um, in duck hunting. And they actually took on too much water and they capsized the boat and they got hypothermia and died. So, well, and those it's, things do happen. it's funny you bring that up because just before the storm hit up here, um, got some information from a friend of mine that a guy had just bought a 18 footer and mm -hmm. they went out into the Chesapeake for the first time as you know, the beginning of the storm surge was coming in cause they wanted to try the boat out. And he had, uh, well, one, he didn't have any licensing, didn't have a lot of experience and he had his twin brother and two friends with him and it had a, a flat front deck, you know, and the three of them were out on the front as they're cruising down the bay in, you know, four or five footers. And uh, they ended up hitting, uh, they don't know if it was a something rogue or what, but basically slammed the boat, knocked the three of them off. They went down and never came back up. Oh, my God. You know, and this was, like I said, right before the storm came. So Coast Guard and all of them, search and rescue, divers, and the storm hit within a day or so, and they had to call it off. You know? Was it on the river? It was up in the bay, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, 
even when you're on a section that was maybe 200 feet wide at the mouth, way up high into the bay, you know, you just never know with water, especially if you're not familiar and you're screwing around. So, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, and that's the other thing about like, like we fish a lot at night. Yeah. Fishing at night is one of those things. I mean, like you get a log across the sound or whatever that's floating around, especially with like a lot of the moon tides. Um, they'll, they'll sweep in a lot of things from the rivers and you'll be flying 25, 30 knots across the ocean and hit that. And that's the end of it. Uh, rip the motor off, whatever. I mean, it, it'll kill you. So it's one of those things that you just kind of got to be careful of, uh, big waves. I mean, we were talking about it. Um, when we had um uh kyle kaufman was up here with a good friend of his alex and they're like oh man your boat gets on plane quick and i said yeah i said it's it's a very important thing out here in the ocean because when the waves kick up the worst thing to happen is that your boat can't make it up a wave um because what ends up happening is it ends up getting the water over the back side of it and when that happens it will literally suck your boat right in um, and that's the end of it. Uh, when you flood up a boat, I mean, that's, that's the end of it when you can't make it up a wave. So you got to have the power on uh, not only the speed, but the power, um, when, when you're messing with big waves like that. Yeah. You can keep that. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's just, it, you know, it, and it's not, it's not like something to scare anybody, but it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Oh yeah. It's that constant. Anytime you're on the water, you got to be paying attention. I mean, it's no different than going down the river in the kayak, you know, a day like today, right after the rain, something that may have been a class one is potentially a class four because the water's up four feet. Uh You know, if you're not paying attention, you come around the corner, just do to do to do. And now all of a sudden you're in something you're not used to, you know, it just catches you by surprise. And we can really change change in a matter of a minute. Well, man, do you think that we should probably thank the people that that make this all possible before the things get a little out of hand here? Because <laughs> our guests are a little crazy. Yeah, well, no one said they were smart. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead, go ahead and run them off, and let's see if you can uh, you do this off the top of your head. All right, let's do it. Let's start with out on the limb manufacturing, uh, out on the limb manufacturing.com. So it's out on a limb mfg.com. Uh, Matt Garris made sure to let me know that you have to add the manufacturing at the end of it. Um, those guys are the mobile hunting hubcap. We'll call them. Um, they, they are the center of all mobile hunting when it comes to videos. Um, they're, their sticks, platforms, you name it, they got it over there. Um, I actually, I was messing around today with um, the new sticks and the new platform. I'm super pumped for this season. We went in and set up some stuff, but we definitely, we brought those in with us. The new Shakar sticks, they are light and they are, they're something else. Um, DNM Custom Arrows, dnmcustomarrows.com. Make sure to check them out for all of your custom arrow needs from traditional to compound to uh, just fancy shit you want to put on the wall. So go and check out the big burly ginger over there. Um, also, Bowfishing Magazine, bowfishingmagazine.com. If you guys haven't subscribed already, make sure to get over there and subscribe. They got a huge um, online magazine. 
to watch and it's all interactive online so bowfishingmagazine.com for you guys there um wicked and twisted bowstrings use promo code outdoor drive 10 to save yourself 10 percent on wicked and twisted bowstrings i know the season's coming up fast uh, now's the time to get new strings uh get jellified over there at wicked twisted bowstrings uh broadside camo broadsidecamo.com use promo code outdoor drive um so when you buy uh when it, what what is that one for 45 dollars spend 45 dollars and uh you get something free with your order whether it's uh, it uh, gloves or a mask or something like that a hat um I just want to make sure you weren't sleeping. Uh, no, I got you. Kidding. I got you. <laughs> camo is a uh, uh, photorealism camouflage. They got the new um, saddle hunting um, sweatshirt. They got the jackets, the bibs, you name it. They got it for that when it comes to um, aerial hunters. Um, so go and check them out. Broadsidecamo.com. Wild Edge Inc., the leader in mobile hunting. Uh, when it comes to your perch, your aiders, your suaders. Uh, all your ropemans, your linesmans, your wild edge steps. Um, they actually are in the process of working with Out on the Limb that just released this week. Not on the market yet, but there's some teasers out there. Uh, the Perch now has the podium and ridge runners um, bracket for mounting on the tree. So something worth checking out. If you guys haven't seen that already, get over to wildedgeinc.com. I think it's on their social media, Wild Edge Inc. Um, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, last but not least, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Nor'easter Game Calls, um, the best in game calls. Um, get them in close. All of your calls for all your hunting across the board, um, whether it's squirrel calls to... Um, some of your big game calls, custom knives, custom grunt calls, um, go on there, nor'eastergamecalls.com, check them out. Um, they have the new Evo series, but I was actually talking with um, Mark the other day, and I think we're going to do something even we're going to even put a twist on it even more and we're going to have a new release of some new grunt calls coming out. I know there's a lot of people that are really looking forward to it. I had a couple of different phone calls with a couple of different people that are looking forward to the new Evo series that comes out. Um, I don't want to release too much, but Mark uh, will very, very soon. So those are the guys that help us that make this all possible. So you guys can listen to us idiots talk on the daily. So thank you to you guys. Nice. Well done. I guess so. I did have a notepad <laughs> for this one, so. Oh, I, I was I was sitting here taking note. I, I was actually checking to see if you hit them all. I was like, all uh, right, yeah. he's on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had it. I have a little notepad. I made sure to grab before I left. Oh, nice. So. Well prepared. Oh, yeah. But so, so I'll tell you this. Today was one of the craziest days ever. Uh, we ended up we've been we've been trying to get cameras in for a couple of days now uh we actually got the cuddy back link system have you seen that yet yeah i'm running a couple of them at work doing some monitoring with them oh okay yeah and, so what's uh, your thoughts on them uh biggest downfall number one downfall that i've ran into is they run on d batteries and the home okay. camera burns batteries like you wouldn't believe really I did, uh, for instance, one of the home cameras in a seven-day period. Of course, we're taking a lot of pictures rapidly. So 
in a seven day period, I think we had like 11,000 pictures transmitted and the home camera burned through the batteries in seven days. But in the woods, I don't foresee that being the same circumstance because if you're getting that many photos, then you're probably on somebody's deer farm and you shouldn't be looking at it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's where we were at with it. Like we were talking about it cause we actually just ordered. Um, so we have the Cuddyback system, the link system, but we also just got 10 spy points. Um, and we were talking about it. Like, do we really need unlimited photos and downloads? No, because no. honestly we could do 250 photos a month, um, for the $4 or whatever it is per camera and still be fine. Cause 250, photos is a lot of photos a lot of photos and that's only photos downloaded and transmitted they still take them on the sd card um even if we went up to a thousand if you had a thousand you're somewhere that you probably don't even need a fucking camera for just be honest right you just kind of show up and apparently they're going to be there yeah right so it's one of those things like everyone was like oh yeah you need unlimited you need unlimited but no, you really don't. Um, when, especially when it comes to that, because that's just a that's a lot of camera. That's a lot of photos. Um, and all and a lot of times, I mean, we're on public land where we're hunting, so we don't have. Um, we're not over bait. We're more in like travel corridors where it's a couple of deer moving in the morning, a couple of deer moving at night. So we really don't need transmission of a ton. Um, right. So. Right. Well, I, I do got one question that comes with that due to some recent changes. So I know out here where we are, you know, chances of us taking a Booner are slim to none. But what are your thoughts on the fact that Boone and Crockett just said they will no longer accept anything that's taken using cellular cameras? You know, because so you may I, get that once in a lifetime buck, but if you're an honest ethical hunter and you know you used a cell cam, you can't submit it. What are your thoughts? See, so... My thing on this is like, I don't, I'm really not worried about that. I mean, yeah, it sucks, you know, and I get it and I understand it. But the thing is like, we don't use our cell cameras on instant. So like ours only download the pictures once a day, if that. So like, I don't understand to me, like how that is not fair chase. Um, Fair chase so they're saying Boone Crock is saying that that's not fair chase if you use a cell camera um when it comes to that right see and right? I, that that's what they're saying I'm asking yeah and, right? and I've yeah they're saying it's not fair chase and I think this derives back to the people who go I've got you know a camera on this trail a quarter mile away in multiple places with tree stands set up so I get an instant picture. Hey, that deer is at this location. So if I run out real quick and get here, he's going to walk by. Right. That's what I think they're targeting. There is a yeah. ton of gray area. And I've gone through their website and looked through the way they wrote it up. And I'll put it this way. It is gray. So unless they are just saying flat out, if you have a, a cell camera, you can't submit. You know, they're missing a lot of conversation in there because you know, what's the difference of like using a cell camera right now to scout, you know, you can't kill on it. I mean, you can, but you know, we won't go down that road. So if we, so 
So my thing with this is, and that's fine. So if I can't be in the book because of me using a cell camera, that's fine. That's not going to stop me from using one. Um, and if I can't register a, a deer in a Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young, then that's fine because I'm using cell camera because I don't do it to put my name in the book. I do it for the satisfaction of myself, not for anybody else. Um, I mean, I would love to have a book buck, but if that's going to be one of the reasons that stopped me, I'm not going to not use it because I think it's a tool that that's a very helpful tool as far as not going into those bedding areas. Cause a lot of times, I mean, we're 50 to a hundred yards away from a bedding area when we're setting cameras. So right. I don't want to keep going in there weekly. Um, yep. I don't want to go in there at all. Um, and I think that it's one of those things that if that's, what's going to stop me from putting a, a, a book deer in a book, then I don't think that yeah. I don't, that's it's going to really look gonna just as me. good on the wall regardless, and it's going to taste even better. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, and I'm with you there 100%. What, I just wanted your opinion. Yeah, no. And, and I think that, you know, like there's been a lot of things. So is that just Boone and Crockett or is that Pope and Young also? From what I'm seeing right now, it is only Boone and Crockett, but I'm really interested to see if Pope and Young is going to follow suit and come up with similar restrictions. So I'll keep yeah. an eye out on that. And if anything ever does come to fruition, then we'll try to kick it out. It's just, it's just one of those things though. I mean, like they did the same thing with the lighted knock. They did those things. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a ton of different things that. Oh yeah. That I they've mean, used. Anytime new technology comes out, they put a ban on it until they can actually prove and understand a point enough people come in with scenarios so they can ride out the gray areas and say, you cannot use it if you kill it by using the camera to notify you to go to your stand. You know, that's so, really the only thing that I see being unethical. So this is one of those things, too, is it's all an honor system, right? When it comes to when it comes to the whole Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett. So you just say, yes, I shot this at this time. They have like a questionnaire for you, right? Right. So, um we we don't when it so so it's just kind of like if anybody so even if they use the cell camera they could just say no i didn't use a cell camera and then it goes on like that right nobody's um, going to investigate it it's going to come down no. to pure honesty and integrity of the person submitting which we get that and we know people are entering stuff throughout the year illegally you know but they're not going to say it so they can get their name in a book because that's what they're after i get that but same scenario here. What's going to stop someone from just saying no? But on the same on the same aspect, there they with the rules and regulations like Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett. So, for, for example, Pope and Young, I know for a fact is you're not allowed to use a bow that's over a certain speed. Right. You're not allowed to use a bow that's over a certain draw length. I mean, not draw length, uh, a certain poundage. Yep. So. So really, in all honesty, I think that there's a lot of us that have entered deer into the book um, that we've, I mean, not me personally, I've never entered a, a buck into the book. I was going to um, say, but, we, you got a mouse in your pocket? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so I, I haven't personally, um, but I know a ton of people that have, and they've been over the poundage or over the speed. That makes it fair. See, and again, I think that comes down to that being a stipulation that was put in a clause that was put in um, 
a good ways back and it should be reevaluated to take into account modern technology. I well, mean, not even, even that. I mean, look at are close. Well, look at this, right? So a lot of that was, this is the same thing when they came out with compound bows, right? Because they didn't want compound bows because it's not fair, right? right? Um, they wanted the traditional bows in there, right? And then now, now we have the compounds and everybody's against the crossbows. So crossbows can't be registered in a Pope and Young situation yet. Right. Um, but some of our bows are just as fast as fucking crossbows. Oh yeah. With my target set up on this bow, even at 60 pounds, I'm shooting faster than most crossbows you can get at Walmart. Right. You know, so you say you're sitting right around that 300 mark and I'm talking, you know, very entry level, simple crossbows, not some uh-huh. of the higher end stuff that claim yeah, 400 not a feet Raven or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the, it's, Something Joe Duffy is just going to walk down and go buy because it's cheap and get that for 200 bucks. You know, my bow is going to shoot just as quick. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, in the, in, in, so if you shoot a Pope and Young bear or whatever, it's not technically supposed to be able to be registered. So, it's one of those things. Those things have to go back through as technology progressively goes on. Right. Now, I, I can understand that, you know, say you shoot a 300 plus inch buck or a new state record. I can see them actually coming in and getting a little bit strict to say, can they, you know, confirm, is it a new legal state record? But even then, you know, it, it's wishy-washy. You got a lot of gray area. Right. I totally agree with you. And I mean, at that point, then, you know, whatever. And, and really, I mean, let's be honest. Okay. And I'm all about Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett for the management of the deer. And that's what it was planted for. And that's what it was made for and all that stuff. And I, I'm all for it 110%. And I think it's great, but your game, I mean, a lot of us have the goal of shooting a, a Pope and Young deer. Um, but really, what do you really gain by that? Your name gets to go in a book. Right. Is that really what you're doing it for? You know what I'm saying? Are you doing it for your self-satisfaction or are you doing it for everybody else to make yourself look good, to have your name in the book? Yeah, a lot of the times that is the case. The The offside playing devil's advocate is the actual purpose of it wasn't to look at my trophy. It was we want to collect data on deer growth, deer management, health in particular areas. And by submitting that, you're providing data, but it's, right. it's gone away from that. I, I will be the first to say you hear someone say it's a booner, you know, they're going, look at me. I've got a big buck. You know, I've got a Pope and young yeah. buck, you know, that's, it's turned into a trophy, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's why I said it the way that I did, because I know lots of people that, you know, it's all about getting, you know, I, we have we have something else here in in uh, the Northeast, and it's Northeast Big Buck Club. Um, it's it's actually a strain off of um, the whole uh, Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett. And what that is is it's the same thing. They have their own measuring system, um, and they measure, and then you get your name in the book. And their qualifications are a little bit lower, so it's one ten um, to get into their book. And when you shoot a hundred and ten inch, you get. Um, you get your name in their book, Northeast Big Buck Clubs, and then you also get 
um, you get the invitation to go to their yearly game dinner, so on and so forth. Nice. Um, and then they'll have actual breakdown in the Northeast, uh, block number one for Connecticut, block number one for Massachusetts, New Hampshire, so on and so forth. Um, but I found that a lot of people that I'm friends with that literally will go through and they want to get place number one, place number two, place number three, just to see their name in the fucking book. Um, and they, the thing with Northeast big buck club is they actually have a shed side, um, that they actually measure sheds and they have a formula to do so. Um, and these guys literally do it just to have their name in place one, number two, and number three to make themselves feel better. Right. Which, and it's, and it's just bragging right to that point. And that's like, why are we doing that? Like, yeah, I don't, you, I think that we've come away from what this really is all about. Yeah. You lose the entire purpose of going out into the woods and being alone and having that experience. And if you're fortunate enough, bring home some food, you know, that's been lost. And I think, you know, I, honestly, like myself, um, I feel that like, I've kind of gotten that tunnel vision of just wanting to shoot real big bucks. Um, and I feel that like, for example, like myself, like I, I I'm, I'm so set on, I want to shoot a one thirty or a one forty or one fifty or just a Pope and young, a one twenty five. Um, I'm so dead set on that. Like, It's kind of crazy. I think you're looking at it from a different perspective, though. You're not doing it because you want to get something in there and say, look at me and bragging rights and all of that. You're doing that as progression in your hunting career. You know, you're good at killing does. You're good at killing, you know, what we consider out here good bucks. You know, your 110s to 120s because that's our average buck here. And you kind of just want to break that wall and get to that next level because I'm right there with you and it it drives me crazy I get hung up and I passed some deer last year that I kicked myself in the ass over because they would have been the biggest deer I've ever shot but I knew there was some bigger stuff around and I let them walk and now I go why you you literally will ruin a whole season trying to do so oh I I 100% will tell you right now I ruined my entire season last year I could have had two of the biggest bucks of my life and I let them both walk because I got greedy and I wanted something big just for the sake of it being big. And guess what? And that's when my freezer started running low, I went, hmm, that was a dumb choice. And that's and that's literally what what happens. And I and I find myself doing the same exact thing, like completely like I shoot two does early season, fill the freezer. And then I'm like, all right, I'm after a big buck, after a big buck, after a big buck or a target buck. And I mean, last year I was able to do it the year before I wasn't. Right. Um, and never a chasing a big deer. No. And and that's the thing. And, and going back to what I was saying is that I was so dead set on trying to shoot big fucking deer and now i go and i hunt with some other friends and i literally will you know he for example seth captain seth he literally is on a whole different level where it's just that there's a good buck on public land like that's his goal like he doesn't care if it's a 130 140 150 if it's 100 inches it doesn't matter if it's a halfway decently mature good buck then he's all about it like it doesn't it doesn't matter to him um and and i and i i love that fact man like i love the fact that he's kind of put that back into me that you know that you don't need to shoot a giant but to to have the opportunity of shooting a halfway decent buck on public land is an achievement 
Exactly. Whether it's a six-pointer, an eight-pointer, but shooting a good buck on public land is a fucking achievement. Yep. Um, especially for us, you know, um, and on the East Coast, I mean, it's it's not an easy thing. Um, to shoot a 110 is a great buck for us. To shoot a 125 is phenomenal. Yeah. To shoot a 130 is out of this world, you know, um, and we have a ton of friends in the Midwest and, you know, they're passing 130s every single week. Um, so See, look for that one. I, I think that's a big part of it too, is, I mean, if you look across the industry, you look at TV, you look at media and all of that, all these people are going to the Midwest or, you know, Canada or Northern Montana, and they're targeting areas that have big deer. That's normal. A 130 to them is a 110 to us. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or sorry, let me take that back. A 130 there would be like 90 inches to us. Yeah. You know, so they're kind of like, okay, not quite big enough. And I think we've just gotten out over here on the East Coast so ingrained with the hope that, oh, we're going to go do it like we see on TV and grow these giants and try to get these giants, which it is possible. I do know a few people who are very successful and have built properties that can do it. But for the average Mm -hmm. Joe, you know, that's going to be a, I'm going to go on a limb and say one every 10 years, you're going to get a shot at 130 inches. If you're just out on public, just doing your thing. And, and, you know, you need to put yourself in those positions. So like I've, I've honestly found myself growing like, where I've, you know, a ton of 80, 90, a hundred, 110 inch deer. Like that was my chase for the longest time. Um, that's where, that's where I hung out. Um, and that's where I found those deer that I wanted was that area. Um, but now I'm starting to find bigger deer where like this week, uh, we went and we put in some cameras in an area which I am super excited to get into. Uh, it's a piece of public has a ton of apple trees that we found. Um, and we literally jumped a deer out of a bed that was probably in the 140 class. Right. Um, real good deer. Uh, we're hoping to get them on camera, but that's, that's that deer that I'm chasing. Um, the place where we went in this year, um, there's some good deer in there. There's been a ton of 140s, 150s shot out of this spot. I am super excited to get in there. Um, it's a fucking bitch to get in there, though. Let me tell you that much. This is an area <laughs> where it's fucking crazy. I'll tell you what, man. We literally walked uh, close to a half a mile, three quarters of a mile down a creek bed just to get there. Down a creek, knee deep in water, just to get where we needed to go to get into the swamp. Um, I am not looking forward to getting in there. I'm not looking forward to go there hunting. Well, see, not. that's what a kayak's for. You can't. There's blowdowns down the whole fucking thing. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like I You're doing some you straight know, Dan Infault shit. <laughs> it's insane, bro. I'll tell you that much. I mean, it, it's fucking nuts. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, we're going to have to wait or hunt to get in there. But that's where those areas where them big deer are. Um, it's, it's nuts. Like, you know... I've always been kind of lazy when it comes to that. And now starting to realize, like to push myself to that next level from those one tens, one twenties, even 90 to a hundred inch deer to those next step of those one thirties to one forties that I'm hoping to kill. You have to go above and beyond in somewhere that you would never feel comfortable going. Right. It's nuts. It's fucking nuts. And they are here. And everybody talked about how they were here. And I was like, yeah, I know they're here. I know they're here. But I never realized the amount of fucking work you have to put in to try and kill one of those deer. And they're fucking smart. They are smart. 
it's just it's just nuts to me. It's just it's just crazy. And and going back on what we were saying before, as far as our Midwest friends and so on and so forth, when we shoot a one twenty one twenty five like I had shot this year, um, which he may be a book buck, but I have no interest in in measuring him um, because I just don't want to break my heart. As if he goes over and goes under, I don't really care. He, he was my first good good buck, um, but those guys were so so happy for me killing that deer they oh, were so sure. happy they were so pumped and it didn't matter to them you know that you know that they shoot big fucking deer they were like wow that's amazing deer for your area you did a hell of a job it was your target buck it was cool so like there is people out there man that like you know we all get tied up in that size of the deer um and it, i think it's more or less the story that comes behind it what you put into it and what you get out of it um, it's really not the inches on the deer. And I think that a lot of people have strayed away from that. And it's kind of one of those things that like, I personally will not find myself chasing that, that inches. I just right. won't. I, I think um, it's, it's gotten to the point, especially with last year being as dry as it was, as far as, you know, harvest. Um, I, I've kind of set my standards back to reality. You know, mm-hmm. yes, there's some opportunities at some giant deer, but if a nice deer that gets me going comes by, it's dropping. You know, if I want a big deer, I mean, hell, that's we're going to Ohio I was gonna say. to basically answer that. You know, hey, we want the chance at one of those big deer. So we're going to go out of state to a place that actually is known for big deer and try our luck there. And, I mean, and I feel that that we're going to be blessed with something or the opportunity or we're going to learn something from those things that we've done um, with going to Ohio and going to Maryland and going to, you know, me coming to Virginia and wherever else the, the road takes us um, this season. I feel that we're going to be blessed with something that we're going to learn. Um, last year, I was able to hunt in a couple different other states and I was not successful, but the footage that I have from that and the shit that I learned about killing big bucks is phenomenal. You, yep. you can't learn it anywhere else. Yep. Um, I might not punch a tag, but it's put me that much closer to try and put myself in a position where I can kill a big deer. Well, yeah, you think about it though. You guys spent what seven days up there in a place where you could actually experience what it takes to get a deer of that caliber. And had you gone off in public land in a place like we're going without that knowledge, think about how much less prepared you would be. Whereas you have that knowledge now. So when we get there, you can apply that, you know, cause you've got a better idea. So what Steve is kind of referring to for those that are new and, and, and don't haven't really followed me through all this in the past. Um, I had the opportunity to hunt a high fence area so it was I, I half of it I hunted high fence and half of it I hunted um, free range, and I'll tell you what, man, watching big bucks do what big bucks do is one of the most fucking incredible things I have ever seen in my life. Um, I had called in two bucks. Uh, I think the smallest one was two hundred and twenty inches, right? Um, and he was a three year old. Uh, or two, I think he was a two year old. And then there was another one that we had, we called double D and he's probably 280 inches. He's three and a half, four years old. Um, but I had him at five yards and 
to see what those big bucks do and interact with other big bucks and calls and so on and so forth was fucking incredible. And, and really learned a metric shit ton. Like you want to see an actual scrape line. It, Oh, literally a fucking scrape line um, and how they interact and fight and can't react to calls and so on and so forth. And this is an area that is not a normal high fence area by any means. Is this a normal high fence area? Um, these guys literally manage big whitetails. Um, we had to take scent crusher. Uh, all of our clothes go in a scent crusher closet. They all go into uh, you have to take a shower three times a day in a scent crusher um all your clothes that when they get dried or washed they're actually in ozone um washer machines or dryers um so like and and you literally can't go in there I, it's 100 percent scent free so it, it's a they, different type of high yeah, fence they in that particular situation they made you hunt as if it was highly pressured public land and mm-hmm. They don't, you know, it's not the kind of place from what I gathered from everything and talking to you guys, talking to G. It wasn't a, hey, if you go to this stand at this time to this feeder, you know, 27 deer are going to come out and take your pick. It was there a is legitimate no hunt. Right. It, you're you on. You don't hunt on feeders. They, they're growing deer naturally on crops, on good food, just a healthy herd. And that's their thing. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, and that's. That's exactly it. And not even that. So with that, with the free range side, um, the free range hunting was something else too, man. Like I had 150 inch whitetail at 60 yards. I mean, I'm sorry. He was at about 50 yards. Um, and it was wide open. Um, I was actually going to take the shot, but the doe turned and went the other way and took the deer off with him. Um, I didn't have an actual vital shot at the time. So I actually ended up was pat i actually passed him until he turned around and went the other way the deer was in the 150 class um and that's was on free range side um i also had another deer in the 130 class um that came underneath me at 20 yards um looked right at me and i was not ready at all um but to be in there in the rut and see what deer actually do big deer do under a managed situation where an actual outfitter is telling you like like go to this stand and this deer, these deer are going to do X, Y, and Z. And they actually do X, Y, and Z and understand how the wind on certain areas. So like at night you go in and you sit with, with Steve and he'll say, all right, I, you want to go to this stand at this time with this wind or, or, or he'll say to you, these are the winds and these are your stand options. Um, and, then to pick his brain and say, okay, so why am I going to this stand on a Southwest wind? Or why am I going to this stand on a North wind and really break that down? Because I think for a lot of people, it's very tough to understand. And for me myself, I mean, up until this day, I still have a tough time with it. Like, why am I going to this stand on a North wind? Or why am I going to this? Like, how does it work? Like, where's my, like, like, how do you make that prediction that those deer are going to come from this direction? And how is that wind good for this stand? You know what I'm saying? Um, so to do that was something that educated me to now bring myself to a better place. If that makes any sense. Did I lose you? Nope. You're good, man. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I went through all that and now I lose you? <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> nope. I'm just sitting back 
taking uh, it in, running the pictures through my head, going, uh, you know, yeah. It's no. crazy, though. I mean, it's crazy to learn in that aspect because I think a lot of people go into the sport and not understand why they're doing X, Y, and Z. They all read about it and they hear about it and they see it, but they don't actually know why we do it X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I. And it's it's tough to break a lot of that shit down, man. Like it really is. And I, I, me myself, I a lot of it I can't comprehend unless I see it physically, um, or look at a map and see that the wind is running this way or that way. But how do you know that the beds are to the south of you and you need that wind? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you understand that? And that takes years to figure that shit out. Right. You can't just go into a place and say, oh, I, I think they're over here. Well, they could be. But. Yeah, and I, so I think you that's. Never know. You know what I'm saying? That, that's really a good way to look at it. And again, like I said, until you're there and you experience it, then you'll never know. So instead of walking in blind in Ohio, you're walking in going, hey, I could probably put that to use, or I remember that I'm going to do it this way. So that's a leg up. Absolutely. No, so it's just one of those things, man. And it's, and it's just been, it's been a great thing. And I think, like I was saying, like being so blessed to go and do that at, um, in Ohio, it's just, it's one of those things where I'm excited, you know, and using those tools to our advantage and putting ourselves where we can potentially be blessed with such a great deer. Um, but to me, it's the, it's the camaraderie of being with everybody in the learning experience. See, and that's going to be the fun part is, uh, I, I think we'll have a good time. We'll get a, a little goofy and a little wild hanging out with bones and, uh, doing our thing there. And after all of this crap, you know, we're just going to sit and bust each other's balls the whole time, you know, and if we get a deer, we get a deer and that's, what's going to make it fun because we're just there for a good time. So yeah, basically with that being said, uh, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole again and I think we ought to shift. <laughs> yeah, in other words, so. we're going to be talking all night. Exactly. Well, that's all right. I mean, yeah, it really doesn't matter to me, but I guess it comes down to the listener if they actually give a shit. <laughs> we should get back on track to the actual, we should get back on, onto the, the track where we need to be though. <laughs> Speaking of getting on track, we got something coming in. Oh shit. Yep. Go ahead and crank that thing up, Trev. All right, crank it up. Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. Let's kick this one off again with the Great American Outdoors Act, which was officially signed today, August 4th, by the President of the United States. Uh, the President stated, we're here today to celebrate the passage of a truly landmark legislation that will preserve America's majestic natural wonders, priceless historic treasures, grand national monuments, and glorious national parks. I don't know about any of you, but it, I, I can't wait to see the improvements that are made on our public lands. Uh, it really can't be understated how great this is for all of our public lands moving forward. So let's move on to Montana where anyone who applied for the 2020 Montana alternate list for hunting, your draw number has now changed. Uh, this is due to an error with a system that numbered applicants in the order that they were received instead of randomizing the draw. The error has been corrected. 
so if you have, if you had checked as of about mid-July, um, your number has likely changed. Good for some applicants, not so good for others, but make sure to check to know where you stand on the list. Now off to Texas uh, with an always controversial topic of antler restrictions. Two years ago, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department established a four-year mule deer antler restriction uh, aimed at helping younger bucks mature. The restriction prohibits hunters from taking mule deer bucks with less than a 20-inch outside spread on their antlers. Now on the cusp of the third season, the antler restriction seems to be paying off. With 51% of the 2018-2019 harvests coming in at five and a half and older, um, bucks. The restrictions will continue through the 2021 season and will be reevaluated at that time. And now on to California, where the California Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, is asking for the public's health, uh, specifically hunters, uh, but anyone um, in California, they're looking for help identifying cases of elk hoof disease. Elk hoof, di hoof disease has been a known issue in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho uh, in recent years, but after two cases were confirmed in April uh, in Roosevelt, elk in Del Norte County, uh, the biologists are now trying to track the diseases present uh, in California. The elk hoof disease is commonly referred to as hoof rot and causes uh, hoof deformity. Uh, the overgrown hooves damage the elk's ability to walk, leading to limping, lameness, and more often times not death. Uh, and this is due to the elk becoming too weak to graze, um, to fight off other infections, and to escape predators. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife is asking the public, and especially hunters, for their help in identifying suspected cases. Uh, the department plans to collect hunter harvest data during the fall elk season in Del Norte and Humboldt counties. Uh, this would mean hunters would be requested to bring the head, liver, and all four legs intact to either the department office in Eureka or a man check station at Lake Earl. Also to report any possible infections, um, you can go to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife website and utilize their mortality reporting tool. So now off to Louisiana, where a new law is allowing uh, nighttime hunting of nuisance quadrupeds year-round on private properties. This will apply to residents and non-residents and will require landowner permission. The new law took effect on August 1st, 2020. One caveat of the law is that hunters are required uh, to contact the parish's sheriff's office 24 hours prior to attempting nighttime take of nuisance quadrupeds. So what is a nuisance quadruped? Um, well, this law applies to feral hogs, coyotes, armadillos, nutria, and beavers. So happy hunting to those in Louisiana. So now our last stop is on to Ontario, Canada, where the cormorant hunt is on. On 7:31, the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry announced that a cormorant hunting season has been approved. Finally, uh, the hunting season is scheduled to run from September 15th through December 31st. Um, this is great news, which is being applauded by anglers, hunters, 
uh, and marine property owners who have long been demanding action for control uh, of the ever-growing cormorant population. Uh, the cormorants have been long a concern due to property damage as well as depletion of the local fish stocks. As part of the regulations, hunters will not be allowed to abandon harvested birds and there will be a bag limit of 15 birds to, uh, per day. So shoot them up. So now here's my own shameless plug for the new segment. Um, today I've actually only had two listeners reach out with news clips. Uh, one that I've already thrown out there, one that's coming. I gotta do a little more research on it. But uh, I'd really like some input from the listeners. Um, what you wanna hear, what you like, anything. Um, please hit me up, Facebook, uh, Mike Salter, or Instagram, bearded underscore bowhunter21. I'm doing this for you guys. I want to make it better. So anything you have, please send it my way. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Fucking news for your crews again. Mikey did it. He, what? The Blind Reporter. <laughs> the BNN. <laughs> blind News Network. <laughs> Mikey got his eyes dilated yesterday. We were sending him text messages. And uh, he's like, I don't know if I can do the news for the crews because I my eyes are dilated. And I can't read anything. And we were sending him text and he couldn't read the text neither. So you mean this was his first time reporting as a democrat he can't see anything he just tells what he hears yeah exactly <laughs> sorry i had to i couldn't resist no i love it i love it <laughs> oh man huh this is fucking crazy <laughs> well in other good news i guess you should really uh you, you got to do something pretty fun here the other day i'm a little jealous but kyle and them came up and uh they went out on the boat with you, dude. You got to walk us through that. All I saw was a yes. couple pictures of some slammers. So, yeah. So we haven't really released a lot of this stuff from it, but um, proud rookie outdoors, Kyle Kaufman, uh, his pap, and a good friend of his, Alex, came up and uh, they spent two days with me. Um, so we actually, I thank God that we did, and we decided to fish two tides. So we fished a flood tide Friday night. Um, I'm actually glad that we did because if we didn't, we probably wouldn't have been able to catch the fish that we were after. Uh, Friday night, we got on um, a real good pile of fish. We were actually trolling uh, snap and parachute jigs for a while with the charter boats, and we we did really well. We got a ton of really good fish. Um, they had put in some fish that were probably 15 to 20 pounds, and they were all jacked up, and I'm like, that's not what you guys came here for. They're like, no? I'm like, no. I said, that's not even close. And uh, I said, well, I can't wait to watch you guys catch some real fish. So as the sun started to set, we started eeling over this reef and uh, the fucking melee broke loose. Um, our biggest fish was 46 pounds, uh, a ton of fish over 35, a ton of fish over 40. And then our biggest one was 46. Um, so there was it was something else. And we 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 laced into them. Uh, they were stacked up like cordwood and we, we definitely beat the shit out of them. And, uh, so they ended up staying in a, in a hotel. I slept in the truck that night cause we didn't make it back in until about 11 o'clock fueled up the boat. And then we were meeting back up to do 4am. So, um, we got back up and we headed back out and Saturday morning was tough for us. We had the flood tide, um, 
But what happens is on Saturday mornings, obviously, that's when all the charter boats are out. And we're in a little tiny skiff boat. And they've kind of like pushed us out off a lot of the reefs. So we didn't really get into them all that well. Uh, the bass, anyways, the striped bass. So we ended up taking off out of the reefs and we went out to some deeper water and we were actually jigging for um for sea bass uh, and we got a couple nothing crazy tide was kind of petering out uh with a lot of those you definitely need the tide coming but we got into a ton of stuff they got they ended up catching a lot of different species they were actually really excited because a lot of that they don't get to they're from pennsylvania on the inner of the west part of pennsylvania so they don't get to go to the sound a lot and catch a lot of things so they got sea robins and dogfish and um i they got all kinds of crazy shit uh oh he caught a squid kyle did nice so he got to catch some cool things we showed him around they got to see a sunset and a sunrise so that was kind of cool but i was glad they were able to come up and we were able to catch some really big fish it was fun it was fun. I even got in on the action a little bit, so that was kind of cool. But <laughs> it was cool to have some good friends up and take some time off and really beat on some fish. So, but it was yeah. cool, man. It was it was definitely something else to be able to catch those fish. And this time of year is when all the big fish start to show up here. Uh, we call it when the cows come home, and uh, this is when we start seeing those fish in that fifty pound range. This is when we start seeing them fish in fifty five pound range. Um, this is when our big big fish start to to come up, come around. So, hell yeah. I know we're looking forward to it. Yeah, man. You guys have, you guys booked it, booked it to be up here. What the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, man. We're going to be up there. We're going to slay it. Imagine that. We finally put a date to something. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Look at that dude. Chad, Chad's going to kill us. But yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we didn't put the deer deer camp (laughs) one on it. I know. Yeah. Really? I mean, huh? No, go ahead. You're good. No, I, I just, I mean, between all the hunts and everything, I don't even know. Like, I was thinking about it today. Like, are we even going to have a Connecticut deer camp, to be honest with you? Like, that's going to be tough. I don't know. We're just going to kind of have to see where it is because, you know, I'm skipping my usual Pennsylvania hunt for the Ohio hunt. And oh, that's right. making some arrangements. And that's actually, I think that's going to fall when we usually have our muzzle loader hunt here in virginia so i may skip that one as well but uh, we'll see how Jesus. it all kind of plays out just it's always dependent yeah. and you know what this is an opportunity that you know if we don't take it i think we're gonna end up kicking ourselves in the ass yeah especially the ohio hunt and i'm you know over the i mean i'm really looking forward to the ohio hunt I've been looking forward to that one for a while, but the one that I'm really looking forward to, honestly, is the Maryland Sika hunt. Yeah. Um, that one is like the number one in my book. Um, actually, not even. I have to actually, honestly, I have to say that we're going to kick off the fucking season in Virginia. Yeah. Um, that's hey. actually the one I'm looking forward to and killing a big bear. But wait, if, now you want a big bear? Your story's well, changing. Well, just, just a bear. <laughs> I, you know, this is the thing. So like that, I really want the color phase. Right. But I'm not going to be upset if I just shoot a bear. Right. No, I don't blame you. I really, I really don't want a big bear. I'll be honest. Neither. I don't, I don't want, want you bear. to shoot a big bear. Cause getting that sucker out of that mountaintop is a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm saying I do not want to shoot a big bear. I'll be honest with you. Like shooting a big bear is not on my things to do. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to pass one. I'm not passing a bear. 
But I just hope that it's not a big bear. <laughs> right. Even if it is a big bear, we'll get it out. We'll make it happen. Done it once before. We're, you know, we got a pretty okay way of doing it now. The only difference is this time I'll get a sled. And uh, well, even if can we quarter them up there? Yeah, we can do it all on the spot. For the most part, I've, I've got to recheck the rate. I know they changed some stuff. It used to be you had to take it out whole and haul it to a check station hole. Okay. So I know they've made some adjustments. I need to read up and make sure I've got my I's dotted and T's crossed so we don't screw ourselves. But uh, yeah. I think we can now quarter them. But okay. I'll, I'll have that information time you get here. And then That's uh, crazy. I will say if the one that walked through my front porch day before yesterday, I think it was uh-huh. Sunday. Yeah. We were literally sitting on the couch, relaxing, watching some TV at about three 30 in the afternoon. And I look out the window and we probably had a, probably I'm going to say 300 pounder is hard to tell. Just literally jaunted, you know, 10 feet from the window, right through the lawn, right out the front yard, right out the gate. Wow. So, that was always fun. I tr- I grabbed the camera and tried to get out and film him, but I think when I opened the door, he hauled ass because I could hear the neighbors going, "Oh no, he ran off into the woods." Jesus, yeah, I couldn't imagine what to do with a three hundred pounder. I do not want the taxidermy bill from that thing. <laughs> I do not want that. I know what that costs, and I am not looking forward to spending it. What do you mean? You're Something talking one hundred and fifty dollars a foot. You know? Yeah, you're talking. That's a Twenty-two to twenty-five hundred dollar mount. Yeah, yeah. That's a fucking tag in another state. That's a that's a. To be honest with you, the mount for that thing is the cost to go hunting with Austin Chandler in Illinois. Yep. I'm good with that. Now you see why I've got a uh, European skull and the claws. (laughs) <laughs> I might just do a, a, a trapper's tan and a skull mount. <laughs> nope. that, that's on it. Well, that's actually kind of what I did is I've got a do it yourself at home tan of the hide that I'll tell you one thing. I'll never try to self tan a bear hide again. I can do deer and elk all day long, but the grease in a bear hide, I highly recommend if you ever want to try it, don't send it to a tannery. Yep. Yeah, it's cheap enough to just do it. So just send it off to somebody. It's definitely a better chance. So I have it, but it's not pretty. No, it's I just totally get hard it. and crumbly, and you can tell the spots that you couldn't get all the grease out. And I mean, I I ran that thing pretty much as far as I dared go before the hair started letting loose in a lot of places. So use a tannery. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, just use a tannery. There's a ton of them. Fox and Mink, uh, Moyle. I'm sorry, Moyle and Mink. Um, there's U.S. Tan. There's, I mean, there's a million of them out there. If you guys need to know one, just let me know. Send me a PM, and I'll show you. I'll send you one to a national one. Uh, you guys can send them as hunters. So, um, it's definitely way easier, way easier than having to do that shit on your own. It's yeah. not a joke, but. No, I. So, have you gotten any deer cams out? Uh, we got a couple out on the property we turkey hunted, yep. but this year instead of putting them down below, we put two way up on top on top of that mountain. So we had to. Well, I'm yep. not, I'm not going to say we hiked back up it. <laughs> we cheated. We took the golf cart and vor wheeled up the yep. trail, 
And uh, once we were on, um, we hiked back into some some bedding and some other stuff that we'd found early season while we were shed scouting and uh, got those up. And then we did. Put- did you go back to like where the 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 farm pit is back there, like the graveyard? No, we haven't put anything back there yet, mainly because yeah. we gained a lot of that info last year. Um, so we know it's a good spot. We're just going to kind of leave it be until season comes. Yeah. The only other spot was that spot I took you down by that cornfield down in the bottom where we worked those six jakes on the yep. fence line where it just kind of there's that narrow finger of trees between the CRP and the corn. And we did yep, pull yep, one up yep. right there. So, see, my thing is, I don't think that I could walk through the woods in your land uh, this time of year to go put out fucking cameras. It's not easy. I'll put it that way. And then finding a good spot that's open enough to make it worth putting a camera out is even harder. Oh, I wouldn't even be worried about that. The fucking snakes is what I'd be worried about. <laughs> Funny enough, and out there, especially on that mountain, you know, the copperheads is one thing that I'm always looking for. But I've knock on wood, uh, still never ran into one out there. Sure. Hell, I've never ran into one yeah. here at the house. The only times I've ever seen them is down by the river. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Well, when I come out bear hunting, don't put me anywhere near none of that shit. Oh no! By that time of year, if especially oh, here, no. we've got uh, king snakes and things like that, and. As long as you see them, I guess up here, most people refer to them as black snakes. They're actually a rat snake. Uh, Oh, the black rats. Yeah. Yeah. They actually will keep the poisonous snakes out. They will eat the poisonous snakes if they come around. So I Mm -hmm. do my best to just relocate them if I find them around the house. But I like having them around for that purpose. And I've never seen a poisonous snake around anywhere on the property. So that's good. That's all right. Black snakes don't really. I mean, I hate snakes, petrified, but I just don't want to see them. I'm yeah, fine with that. Like, it's shocking like that when you step in. It's like, oh crap, there's a snake, and then you realize, oh, it's just a black snake. No threat. They're not aggressive. <laughs> the only thing is, when you try to move them, they make that musky ass smell, and it reeks. Does it really? Oh, dude, when those things spray their musk, it's like, whew. You know, you've been near a black snake. Hmm. But, I didn't even realize it, but. But yeah, the other than that, you know, I don't even mess with them if they're in a place I don't want them or near the chicken coop. You know, I don't want them getting the eggs or something like that. Um, Roger. I'll just, I'll get a stick and I'll just kind of lightly move them, work them, get them out towards the uh, the backfield or the front field or just somewhere away from the house. Just because I don't want to accidentally walk into my basement one day and have one piled up in there. Yeah, that's never good. So I'm totally against that. I think you'll be all right as far as snakes go for the bear hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just one of those things, you know, it's always in your mind. Yeah. Well, the way your luck goes is uh, black snakes like trees too. So, Oh, that's fucking great. (laughs) Just to add some more to the paranoia. That's totally great, man. (laughs) Totally great. Nah, you'll Uh, be fine, man. (laughs) No. So we, we, uh, we actually, we, we, we don't have a guest today. <laughs> yeah. This is us. Uh, yeah. And they're, so they're kind of stuck with us. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. They, they, they dig us. We, we don't get to catch up on a lot of these things anymore, man. Things are, and I'll tell you last week was phenomenal. It was probably one of the best episodes I've ever done as far as 
podcasting goes to have Kurt on. And, oh, yeah. You know, I think that we needed that break because I don't think that, you know, anything could top what was what was done there. And a lot of you guys have, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, I was getting a lot of really positive feedback and, and uh, uh, you know, conversation from a lot of people that I hadn't talked to in a while that were listeners of the podcast prior and now came on to this podcast and I didn't even realize it. And, you know, I thank you guys for the continued support and, and, and the love, um, and reaching out to Steven and myself because that shit really goes miles with us, you know, and a lot of people like Reinhardt, Reinhardt has been a really good friend of mine throughout this whole entire thing, man. And the words that he had said to me after this had all came out, um, was huge. Um, there was a couple of listeners that I didn't even know were listeners from the past that came over and listened to us here and they reached out and they wished us the best of luck. And, you know, you guys are the ones that make this all possible. Um, you guys are the, the fuel to the fire for us. Um, and being able to conversate and talk about all these things and, and, you know, reach home for us. Um, you, you guys are that man. And if it wasn't for you guys, then we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, it's not about sponsors, not about us. It's, it's really about the people that, you know, that, that listen to us and support us, um, throughout our crazy endeavors. Um, it was funny speaking of crazy, uh, <laughs> Seth's son, Owen, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen this or not, but on my, uh, Instagram story, we had brought Owen out yesterday when we were scouting. Oh yeah. And he, uh, he found the beds. You guys didn't do any he work. Found the beds. Yeah, I know we were looking, I was looking at the apple trees and I hear, I found the beds. I found the beds. Now he's three and a half years old. So I went in there and I was looking and uh, he calls me crazy Trevor. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it goes, it, yep, it's fitting. Um, so, uh, it was cool to have him and have that, you know, that next generation with us and he's learning a ton and he's going to be a fucking killer. That kid is going to be a killer. His sister, his sister is actually going to be a fucking killer too. Um, they are they They were raised right. And, uh, they're learning a ton. Um, and I, we, we tell them all the time, you know, when you're our age, you're going to be killing big bucks because you've been doing it for such a long time. And he's, he's something else. He brought his Nerf gun. He wanted to shoot the big buck that we jumped. But nice. It's just cool. Those things, you know, the supporters and the next generation, I think is what kind of fuels why we do what we do um, and kind of give us that ambition to keep moving forward. So for sure, thanks to you guys, you know, I know it's kind of, I don't want to get sappy, but <laughs> it's kind of cool. And especially after the last podcast, it was kind of one of those things that's kind of like a reinsurance that, you know, there still is a lot of love out there. Oh, so, definitely. You know, and, and we appreciate it. We got the love from our listeners. We got the love from some working classes listeners. Um, mm -hmm. Just, I mean, I don't think people quite realize that, you know, we're, we're a close knit family. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we love those boys and they give us some support and they constantly in contact, you know, just great all around people. And uh, yeah. j just seeing that and feeling that, knowing you're a part of that, you know, makes us want to sit here and keep being idiots for you guys to listen to. And and I think, I mean, we talk about it all the time and, and it's not only working class, it's whitetail distraction. It's where to hunt. It's whitetail exactly. legacy. It's, um, you know, full draw assassins. It's rack rage. It's, you know, there, there's a lot of groups of people that are out there. Um, uh, bow hunter chronicles, um, you know, chasing tails, um, 
I mean, there's a million yeah, I, of them. Every podcast. I mean, I, I guess the way to say it is, is when I say family, I, I'm talking about the, the podcast community, the hunting podcast mm-hmm. community as a whole, you know, it, it's, it's not just one, like you're saying, it's all of them. They've, they've jumped on our show. We've jumped on their shows. Uh, and it's just constantly, you know, Hey, what do you think of this idea? Or how'd you do that? Or, you know, what can we do? Or, Hey, we think you should try this or, you know, it's constestly interaction to make everyone better. Yeah. And that's what's Absolutely. fun. And, and working together with all these people and, and, and collaborating and bouncing ideas off of, and, and, you know, those, those are the people that, you know, that are the future of this um, and, and working with everybody and, and seeing all these new podcasts popping up everywhere, uh, which is fucking great. I mean, there's a ton of them. Um, well, I, I mean, don't look know at Cliff. Off the top of my head, but. I mean, Cliff's yeah, a perfect Urban example. Archery, NYC. Yeah. Cliff is, Cliff is a great friend of ours. Um, somebody that, you know, I look up to and I talk to all the time. Uh, he's got great shit going on over there. Um, he's going to definitely put a stamp on, on the industry. Um, I think what he does and what he believes is huge. Well, then um, he, he's and- taken a perspective that, I mean, anyone who listened to our show with him, you know, that's really going to lay out how, why, where, when, you know, his situation and why he mm-hmm. wanted to do a show. And there's okay. not a more generous real world dude than him when it comes to this in a place that it doesn't happen in a culture where it's not expected and to just go out with his drive. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I had a blast. I I was doing some graphics work a couple of weeks ago and I came across some stuff and some different ideas. And I was like, dude, that screams cliff and uh, just laid this thing out. And I was like, I got to send these to you. He's like, all right, kick them over. I sent it to him. And just, it was nice going, here's some stuff that I, I see fits you, you know, and to be able to do right. that for him. So. Yeah. And all of us working together and, you know, you brought up a valid point. Uh, Nick, Nikki from the Zeus team. Um, those guys are, that's family right there. Those guys, I have never been to a trade show when those guys are there and not felt like I was at home. Um, they, they treat you like best friends, like family. Um, it's a hug, you know what I'm saying? And they're just, they're, there's something else. I mean, there's a ton of people and it's just, it's incredible to be able to talk to those people and work with those people and just kind of lean on those people when you need to collaborate with things. And, you know, going back on the working class thing, in my opinion, working class has been somebody that set a bar for us. Um, there's somebody, especially for myself, I mean, in the beginning of this, like we said in before, like just talking to them and, and, and bouncing ideas off of, of, uh, off of Kurt, like when we wanted to start a podcast, um, uh, Kurt was the first person that I talked to. How do I do this? Who do I go to? Where do I go? How do I do this? Uh, what do I need? Um, and he was, we was there for him. Um, so the community is, is a great community. And one thing that I can say, honestly, 100%, if you are to DM us on any of our social media, Outdoor Drive on Facebook or Instagram, or if you Outdoor Drive Steve or East Coast Trev um, on our Facebooks, oh, that's right, you don't have one, on our Instagrams <laughs> and my Facebook, I will have a full-on conversation with you. I am oh, yeah. not afraid to talk to anybody. I will chat with you. You want to come fishing? We'll make it fucking happen. You want to talk about hunting? You need a strategy or you need help or you have a thought? 
do not feel that you cannot reach out to us and have a conversation. I will have a conversation with you just like I would anybody else in oh, my for life. Sure. Yeah, and funny Don't enough, be afraid for a minute. some of those questions and random things like that, they, they turn out into some pretty cool deals, you know, going back and, I mean, looking at Salter. Yeah, I, we sat mm-hmm. for probably two weeks back and forth working on issues he was having with arrows. And right. by the end of it, Mike had built his own set of perfectly tuned arrows that matched his bow. And I mean, that was kind of fun, just bullshitting back and forth, trading ideas, you know, taking some stuff that I knew versus stuff he wanted to try and just finding a way to make it work and for it to actually work. I mean, it, it's fun, you know. And and speaking of uh, when it comes to Mike, uh, news, news for your crews, guys. As he had called you out in the news, um, Please send in your news. We want to know what's going on in your state, what you're seeing, because Mike is only one person getting the news for your cruise. We need to spread this information out to everybody. So if you see or hear something, please send it to Mike. Send it to myself. Send it to fucking send it to somebody. Get that information out there. Mike needs that stuff for news for your cruise, guys. And we please, we encourage every single one of you to please give us that information so we can spread it out to everybody else. of what's going on out there. So, um, so it's, it's with that important. being said, I actually, I want to make a call out because there's one dude who I fully believe can come up with some stuff that I, I kind of want to hear. Cause we, we've never heard anything from California. So yeah. I want to hear about some local stuff. Chatterpillar. <laughs> Send us uh, something over from your neck of the woods. I know you guys got Matt Burns. real quick. Yeah. Matt Burns is another California dude. Yep. Send it. Send it. We want to hear about it, man, especially in the liberal world you, you live in. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and, as, um, and, and what would be really cool is, you know, I would like to start getting some uh, reports from the field down in Florida where the season's already open. Yeah. So anybody down there, yeah, you guys are hunting, kick us that information. North, Devin in North Dakota, they're, they're, they're fucking – they're about to kick off their their velvet season. It's yep. about to kick off here in the next week or so. Yeah. So we want to hear that shit. Fucking let us know, man. Send us pictures. Tag us and shit, man. We need that. We want that. Um, it, it's definitely important. At the end of the day, we, if you don't tell us, we can't talk it. about it. That's it, man. We want to spread it to everybody. We want everybody to know what's going on. I mean, in the fishing industry, in the hunting industry, we want to know everything. Um, especially when it comes to news and the new things coming and going, uh, we need to all stay alert and stay on top of what's going on. Speaking of what's going on. Uh, so I don't forget Sean Polk, uh, Connecticut native, uh, hanging team hanging bang has actually started or in the process of starting, uh, a QMDA here in the state of Connecticut. Um, and I was appointed to help him out. Um, or actually, I volunteered and told him he didn't really have enough QDMA. What I say? <laughs> QMDA. What did I say? Oh, Q- I know QDMA. you're excited. <laughs> you're good. Um, I kind of forced my way into it, but um, we're about to start a Connecticut chapter. So if anybody is interested in being involved with us, please reach out. Get me your email address. Send it to Sean Polk or myself. I would get it in the hands of the regional guy. We're looking the end of August to do a Zoom meeting um, to kind of get things underway. We have 36 
um, pending um, email addresses right now of people that are interested. So that's huge. Um, so that's going to be the next step here for us in Connecticut. So if you guys are local and you guys are interested in being involved, please send me your email address and we'll get you involved and we'll get you in on the zoom meeting for the end of the month. So that's um, actually awesome timing. So congrats guys with, uh, with the great American outdoors act money, you guys could probably really get some big stuff done. Really? I didn't realize that. What's up with that? So the way it's going to affect uh, all of the public land stuff, access, cleanups, uh, you know, yeah. I know we have certain WMAs here. I don't know if you guys are the same way up there that actually has some ag on there. So, um, yeah, we do. To, we have them. Yep. Yeah. So benefiting or doing soil work or helping the crops or cutting in new plots or whatever, you know, you can use some of that money out of projects to either match from like land water conservation fund or whatever, as well as state designated money to increase the, the QDM of the public land, as long as wow, you're working okay. with forest service and game and fish and et cetera. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good. I like it. And that, that new act Trump passed that uh, this week. Yep. Signed it all. Did the legal signing ceremony today. That's awesome. And then handed out That's all incredible. the pins and all of that. You know, I've never been interested in wanting a pin after a presidential signing anything, but that's one pin I would have gladly taken. For sure. Absolutely. That's so badass. <laughs> that's so cool. I'm so happy. I and mean, that's for us, you know, for us, for the people that, you know, for for the conservationists, finally, something good coming back to us because they've always taken, 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 but they've never given, given, given. So, well, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible it's, to have it. It's probably the biggest conservative, uh, in terms of not politics, conservative in terms of preserving nature, uh, yep. action taken since Teddy Roosevelt. That's fucking awesome. That's so. that's that's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. And and this will probably, I'd imagine right now, we are booked um, with podcasts um, well past Connecticut opener um, in September. So this will probably be one of the last, unless we have a cancellation, but this will probably be one of the last um, podcasts that we'll do before we end up um we bef- before we end up killing right as far as just us bullshitting yeah us bullshitting for sure yeah because we have lined up um all podcasts lined up um until m- the end of september at this point i will promise you this though um when we start dropping animals we will probably end <laughs> up adding bonus episodes oh yeah we're, um, we're gonna have story time for sure. So those things will definitely happen. That's one of the things that you guys can definitely look forward to and something that I think I will definitely hold to. Um, if we start dropping animals that we will actually have special bonus podcasts, um, to, for Steven or myself to tell the story on what happened. For Especially sure. the target bug. <laughs> Especially the target bug or, you know, when we're down in Virginia in October, cause that's going to be the first, In opening season in Virginia is going to be our first uh, our first hunt for our tour. So, yep, yeah, it's going to be pretty be sweet. 
I'm looking forward to it. You guys are going to come up fishing, so that would be cool. We'll podcast a ton when we're up here. Maybe we can correlate it. Uh, Garrett was supposed to come up and fish too, so we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, that's what we ought to do because uh, I know between Garrett and Drew and all of them, we just get all of our heads together and try to get a night out and just <laughs> you put all four of us on a boat and see what the hell happens. No, oh, great. Yeah. yeah. We may not we're make it need, back. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> and our floaties. <laughs> speaking, speaking of boats. So this whole entire time, as you guys all know, I've been sitting here in a fucking boat launch parking lot. People go back to school and get your fucking driver's licenses. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? This lady, this lady. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint it for you. So I had to go there. So this lady just showed up in an Audi fucking uh suv so obviously it's like the end of the world here the fucking trees are everywhere there's no power so on and so forth this lady just drove through the parking lot with half a fucking tree sticking out of the grill of her car like what what are you doing <laughs> watching these fucking idiots back up their boat trailers are you kidding me right oh, now dude those are Where blooper reels you? all day long oh my god dude covid you don't need fucking COVID. They just ate your brain out because you can't back up a fucking trailer. What the <laughs> hell is going on? One of my all-time favorite things to do is watch people with nice, fancy equipment and cars and gear and boats and attempt to back it up. Something so stupid, <laughs> simple that we learned growing up at six. Oh, my you know. God, man. You got a brand new 2500 Sierra GMC pickup truck and a brand new fucking element boat. And you can't even back it down the boat launch. I what think, are you doing? I think that should be a requirement before you buy a boat. Jesus. You should have to back up a trailer down a launch. This guy's about to put it in the fucking woods. I wish I could record <laughs> this right now. He almost just put that thing in the woods. And not to add, so the, the yeah, oh, yep, stop, yep. Okay, good. Uh, so anyway, so the, there's a there's another truck, and it's a, so it's two-lane boat launch. And literally, the guy is taking up the middle of the boat launch. Like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? I don't get it, man. I just, I, I don't understand it. It just, I, I, I don't know. Ah, it is what it is. I, it's something that we've done our whole life. So it's one of those things. I, funny thing is the last time I sat in this parking lot, I watched, cause I used to come down here for lunch a lot of the times and sit down here, but I watched a guy with a roller trailer with his boat. It was the first time he ever, and I felt absolutely horrendous for this guy. But he went to go back up his boat, and he disconnected the boat completely from the trailer. And he went uh, to go back it up, and when he did, the rollers, and he hit the brakes for the first time, and the boat whoop. fucking went right across all of the concrete and took out the bottom transom of the – I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the lower end of the motor. Well, the thing is that the gentleman, older gentleman, retired, and he bought the boat so that he could spend time with his grandson and bring him on the boat. Well, his grandson was coming to visit him from down south, and he was going to take him out on the boat. Well, he was coming to practice um, backing the boat into the water. Yeah, at least and he was going to practice. Well, he was there to practice, and, and, and with the roller, he actually he, he sent it down and ripped the lower end off of the boat. But 
Um, but he was here to practice. I felt so bad for the guy, man. And I gave him my number and shit and I hooked him up with my mechanic and they were able to fix the boat, but I felt horrible for the dude. But yeah, that shit happens here all the time. It's fucking hilarious. But yeah, the worst holidays are the best. I, I literally, I don't go out on my boat on the holidays. I just go to the parking lot just to watch these idiots destroy there. So it's just way, (laughs) way funny, way, way funnier, but Oh, fucking A. Oh, that's wild. Yep. That's the good things. But it's good, man. You try. People just, you know, they just amaze me every time. I don't get it. <laughs> fucking A, man. Well, so, brother. Any big plans for the rest of the week? Oh, work. I may get another camera or two out. Um, hooked up the tractor to the disc today, so I'll probably start turning over the food plots and try to get them planted here mid-August since they're calling for a decent amount of rain for us. So should have pretty good crops this year. And yep. uh, other than that, switch the bow back to the heavy arrow setup and getting it all tuned and tied in and ready to start slaying some shit. Oh yeah, man. Same here, man. Just kind of doing the due diligence, getting the cameras out, doing a little bit of fishing, had a little bit of time off, getting ready with the bow, um, shooting a ton and just, just getting ready for the season, man. I, I am super, super pumped, um, for, for the season. Yeah. It's so. going to be a fun one. That's for sure. Well, Hell yeah, man, I don't know about you, but feels like we're winding down a little bit. We probably ought to, uh, take it out of cruise control and, Get ready to Parker. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree with you, man. I I would say you probably want to get home, but you still don't have power, so I'm sure you got shit to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I got a text message that this refrigerator generator is not working, so I got to go home and deal with that shit. I'm not looking forward to it, but well, hopefully, we get power sooner than later. Yeah, I I think it'll it'll come around, and uh, in the meantime. Sure. Anybody who's got extra crap, they want to send Trev to help out. <laughs> he's he's a needy case right now. <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. He's I, good to go. The freezers are full. The freezers are full. It's just like camping or being in deer camp. This doesn't bother me at all. I could care less about the power. As long as the fridge stays cold and the freezer stays cold, I could care less about the rest. So. Yep, I agree. So actually funny funny story, Trez Blooper, real quick. I will bring that back oh, when, when those when those things occur. So <laughs> yesterday, um I I have a little tiny butane um stove that I use when I'm camping and hiking. And um I was we were cooking up uh venison hot dogs and uh beans because obviously we weren't ready for this. But anyways, so I hook up the generator, I turn we don't have funny thing before I get into this, before we don't have a fucking manual can opener. Everything I have for a fucking can opener is electric. So I had to hook up the generator just to open the fucking can, by the way, which was the craziest thing. Cause we have an electric can opener, but, um, so anyway, so I had the butane stove and I'm messing with it, but I couldn't get it to lock in the, the butane can and it kept spraying out fucking butane. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So, um, I finally start the thing and I get it all good. This, that, and the other thing. And the thing fucking lights up and then explodes. Like it 
all the gas that had been trapped underneath it fucking lit on fire. So me, my instinct is like, I don't want it to blow up in the house. So I grab a hold of it. Now my arm hairs are all singed and all I can smell is burning fucking hair. And I throw it in the sink and I just hit it with the water real quick and just completely stop the whole entire thing. But fuck, dude, it stunk like burnt hair forever. It was nasty. But we're good now. Everything's good. So. Uh, that's, that's a good Trev's bloopers for you guys and as the season goes on I'll give you better ones so. yeah I got a feeling we'll have more to come oh yeah I can't wait <laughs> so good times, why don't you man. close her out big Steve I guess I could do that so thanks for hanging in there thanks for putting up with our bullshit as we just kind of hang out and chew the fat it's always fun hope you guys enjoyed it and were entertained if not let us know and uh we'll still probably keep doing exactly what we're doing but input is nice so till then go ahead trev oh real quick if you guys haven't had the chance please go on to our itunes or uh and give us a five-star review uh subscribe to itunes subscribe to spotify whatever you're listening to please so you don't miss out on anything if we do give you bonus episodes but please we would love a five-star review um add us on uh instagram facebook uh, any social media you can find us, our YouTube page has kind of got a little bit of shit going on and it's only going to get more as the season progressively goes on once we start killing some things um, and we get some good fishing footage on there. So don't forget to do that. Please, please don't forget it. And 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 the people that, that we're partnered with, um, go and check them out, man. Give them a little love, support, and all the other podcasts. Subscribe and go and visit those guys too. Um, they need our love just as much as – they need your love just as much as we do. For sure. Well said. And uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot more coming, especially on YouTube. So like, follow, subscribe, share, do whatever you can do there. It helps us out and helps keep it going. And uh, in the meantime, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Outdoor Drive.